Nathan's sound stick hummed to life, vibrating slightly against his desk, rattling towards the edge. The ECU office was empty, chairs neatly placed under desks as sun poured in through the open window. There was a low hum from outside, but for once, it wasn't the central work area beyond their office door. Only a few watchers remained there for admin's sake. On Nia's desk, a buzzing was emitting from her drawer. Her sound stick had burst to life and continued to hum before eventually falling silent again. Outside, the Southern District Plaza was awash with people. As with the last election hustings, there had been a large stage erected in its centre. Some 400 or so Southern District residents stood in front of it. Around the crowd, in intervals of six feet or so, was Southern District Watch, stopping anyone that joined it, patting them down, looking in bags and under cloaks. Every so often there were raised voices as a group larger than four was separated and sent to different places on the edge of the crowd. Chief Sherman had been very clear about that. Unlike the last hustings, there were only two lecterns on stage, placed further apart as if to disguise the missing third. Balasar sat on a small folding chair atop the watch building, overlooking the crowd. He had a set of binoculars from the old warehouse in his hand. Beside him was a young woman, lay on her front, cradling a large, high-powered crossbow with a thick metal bolt loaded into it. The weapon was cocked, her finger resting against the trigger. Balasar raised a sound stick to his lips. Command to Red Watch. Report. There was a pause until a voice came from the sound stick. Red Watch to command, nothing yet. Balasar nodded and looked across to the council building rooftop. The building was set behind the stage. On the roof he could just about make out two more watch lay down, one with binoculars, one with a crossbow. Command to Green Watch, report. Across from them on the other side of the square, two more watch with binoculars and weapons were positioned on the second floor balcony of a small B&B. Green Watch to command, nothing yet. Balasar nodded, before repeating this a few more times, with sniper teams positioned high, surrounding and watching the crowd. Every time the same answer. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. (laughs) Balasar murmured to the watch beside him. Yet. He smiled and set the sound stick down. Command to central watch. Report. The young woman beside him smiled. Nothing. Balasar nodded. Wait. Navy blue hood. Tall, entering the crowd. Eleven o'clock. Balasar raised the binoculars and found the figure in question. The person had passed by the watch and entered the crowd seemingly without having their cloak lowered and searched. He watched the figure move towards the crowd, but then make a hasty line around its edge, circling them, making their way towards the stage. Everyone else had automatically tried to push their way further towards the front, but not this one. Command to green watch, navy blue cloak, moving, hood up, round the perimeter, behind the watch line. States report. Oh, uh, we see him. Uh, permission to lock in? Balasar paused. Lock in. On the hotel balcony across the square, a watchman gave the cue, and the military-trained sniper at their feet shifted their position, finding the man in the navy blue hood and training the weapon on them. Balasar watched the man move closer and closer to the stage, picking his way around the edge of the crowd. Target moving. Moving. Balasar nodded at the voice coming from the sound stick. 
Why don't Streetwatch have sound sticks? asked the soldier beside him. Too much interference is the official line. Truthfully, they don't want Skinwalker to have enough sound sticks to make another announcement, the Dragonborn replied. Greenwatch to command. Target still moving. Command to Greenwatch. Hold sight. The hooded figure was moving closer and closer to the stage. A cheer went up, and Balassar shifted his binoculars to see Art Everstill and Helenga Quickheart walking onto the stage from opposite ends. The hooded figure was now fumbling in their cloak. Greenwatch to command. Do we... No. Hold. Balassar watched through the binoculars, and the figure was clearly groping for something under their cloak. Helenga had reached the centre of the stage. Hold. Art reached the centre of the stage, but stepped forward to engage the crowd as the figure pulled something out and moved towards Everstill. Greenwatch to command. We have a shot. Repeat, we have a shot. Do we... Stop. Balassar, forgetting that he couldn't be seen, had raised his hand as he'd issued the order. The object in the man's hand was a large quill. As he went into his cloak again, he pulled out a large sheaf of parchment, covered in signatures. He'd stepped towards Art Everstill, clearly hunting for an autograph. Balassar breathed a sigh of relief. He sat down, smiling at the soldier at his feet. Nothing yet. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons and Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Alwyn Hundrick shivered, his fur bristling but lacking much of its usual luster. The last twenty hours, and he'd been counting them, had been the worst of his life. After being arrested early that morning, he'd been questioned over the death of Rurik Gromalog, shown images he would never forget. After Nir and Nathan had pressed him for more details on the money laundering, he'd finally been allowed to return to his cell. Through the thick barred glass, he could just about make out the back and forth from the public election hustings that were being held that day. He didn't know if the watchmen were going to charge him. On returning to his cell, his lawyer, Initus Knott, had smiled, shaken his hand, and thanked him for sticking to the plan. Admitting wrongdoing now was sure to result in a far more lenient sentence down the line. But Initus Knott was his lawyer, so why would he be talking about sentences? Sleep hadn't come easy after Initus had left. His lawyer needed to make some calls, apparently, so Arwen had been left staring out the tiny window. The bars were thick. Not much good for resonance, but if you replace one with Iridium, you could probably transfer messages one way. Perhaps from a central control sound stick? He shook his head. Eventually the sounds of the hustings faded away, as Arwen slipped into an uneasy sleep, his tail curling up and around his waist. The scraping of metal against metal woke the tabaxi with a start. The room was starting to get dark now, as the two watchmen from earlier, the elf, the human, walked into his cell, along with a tall dwarf wearing watchman clothes, who he vaguely recognised. He looked from one to the other. Am I 
free to go? Nathan looked at Nia, then to Sherman who was leaning against the wall, his arms crossed. Art Everstill didn't make it home today after the hustings, said Nia. Reckon he's been gone a few hours now. His housekeeper called us. Arwen looked between them for a moment. You, you don't think? I don't know what to think. So let me tell you what I know. I know you're in with some bad people. I know your company's name was found at a murder scene. I know you've named two of three notable political figures as alleged conspirers in money laundering. The third has just gone missing. If you know anything, Alwyn, now is the time. Nathan hadn't taken his eyes off the tabaxi, who now turned his large eyes to the elf. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. Bollocks, said Nathan. I swear, I, I don't I don't know where they've taken him. I, I worked on his campaign, I gave them sound sticks. I, they could never be out of contact. That, that was me. You said we could track sound sticks. How do we do that? Before you answer, bear in mind a man's life could be at stake, said Nathan. Alwyn closed his eyes, thinking hard before shaking his head. No, you'd need it to be active, uh, making a call. Otherwise, we'd just be tracking every sound stick in the city. It's too big an ask. Even the watch couldn't visit every soundstick in the city before the call was over. I suggested it last time because they were hijacked. Because his messages are long, you have time to cast, time to track them. They fell silent again. Don't know where who's taken him, Alwyn, said Sherman. Alwyn looked up, his eyes wide. He shook his head, and Sherman stepped forward, away from the wall. I don't like repeating myself, boy. Who's taken out ever still? Alwyn kept looking at the ground. I... I just want to go home. Tears were welling in his large eyes. Nathan went to speak, but Sherman held up a hand. Get the lawyer back in here. Now. No! Alwyn's head had snapped back up. Why? asked Nia. Because... I think he's in on it. In on what? Everything. That doesn't help us, Arwen. Sherman rolled his sleeves up. What are we missing? A man's life is at stake. But Arwen shook his head. In and as not, he told me I mustn't, I mustn't mention Art Everstill at all. Why? He said you... The watch, that you, you couldn't be allowed to think that Art was somehow involved. Was he involved? With the money laundering. Is that why he's been taken? Arwen nodded as Nathan slowly closed his eyes. Nia swore. Shocked but not surprised. Where's your near scribe when you need him? Alwyn looked at the floor again. Right, well then. It's been a while, but Alwyn Hundricks, I am charging you under Tarthage law on two counts of obstructing justice, one count of conspiring to the money, and... But a buzzing had filled the room as Sherman's soundsticks suddenly sprang to life. Oh, for... F he pulled it from his belt and awkwardly turned the handle one way, and then the other. First the buzzing got louder, and then it vanished entirely. As I was saying, one count of money laundering, 139 counts of... But there was a bang on the door, and they all jumped out of their skin. Sherman shook his head. Shocked but not surprised, eh? What is it? He called. They found Skimwalker in the warehouse in Pleasure June, sir, a voice came from the other side of the door. Alwyn looked up as Nia and Nathan shared a look as Sherman rushed towards the door, pulling it open and revealing a tall female streetwatch. And? The streetwatch smiled. We got him. Well, Art Everstill did. 
The air was sucked out of the room. What? Oh, a, a red unit. They put the door in. They found the pair of them covered in blood. Skinwalker's dead, Chief. Nia looked at Nathan. He looked at Sherman. Suddenly the dwarf clapped his hands together, threw his head back and let out a yell of triumph. <sighs> yes! Go on! That's red unit for you, eh? He smiled, nodding as he reached out and pulled the street watch towards him, embracing her like a daughter. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, all of you. Nia? He turned to Nathan and Nia. I think you should tell our friend, Scribe. Nia swayed on the spot, her face a mixture of confusion and relief. Um, yeah, I, I, I will do that. Uh, Chief, what about... She nodded at Alwyn, who was still tearful and wide-eyed. Mr Hundricks will remain here, under my supervision. Meanwhile, you two should head to the hospital. I think you near would like to know that we've finally sunk the Dulac Moss. The pair of them nodded dumbly, Alwyn Hundricks looking between them as they slowly walked out of the cell. And without sharing a word, they eventually found themselves in their office. Balasar had evidently not come back yet. They looked at each other, and then slowly shook their heads. But neither of them could bring themselves to speak. Neither of them knew what they wanted to say. Suddenly a buzzing came from the floor beside Nathan's desk. Reaching down, he found his sound stick had buzzed its way off the surface. Turning the handle slowly, he heard a familiar voice from between the forks. Bloody hell! I'd have less trouble getting the fucking premiere on the blower! I need you three over here now. I've found something. Something big. This has been Tales of Tarthage. This episode was written and edited by Samuel Bradley. The title music was Who Am I to Complain by Alec Michael Wilson. Extra sounds were provided by Zapsplat.com. This was a Starter Set Studio production. Hello. Hi. Do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself just... Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. For the first drop of our main episode, and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes. And on Robots Radio Podcast Network. Come see us on July 9th. We love you so much already. Bye. Bye.